What is good? Welcome to the show. I'm Kellen. This is the Kellen Roland Show. Thank you for tuning in. You have an unlimited amount of choices in ways you can spend your time. And I'm forever grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with me. So how you doing? How's your day going? How's your week going? How's work? Any good cups of coffee these days? You know, I'm truly interested. I want to know. This is a dialogue. And on a podcast, the dialogue is interesting because it is, it's one way during the podcast, but the conversation continues on social media. It continues in real life. It continues through email. It continues in a variety of ways. And that's the the thing that gets me so excited. You know about doing this? You know, there's obviously the therapy of, you know, spilling my guts on this audio and telling you all the things that are going on in my life, whether it's meditation or indigestion or the plight of being a single man at age 35 in Los Angeles, which is is not a bad thing. But it's the communication, it's the dialogue, it's the connection. I want to tell you two quick stories from the week, and it's really just a quick interaction with a couple of the listeners, some people that I've known for a long time and some people I don't know that well. And it's really empowering. I talk a lot about meditation. Meditation is is the tent pole of the podcast. I would say it feels like if you had to have an overarching narrative, meditation is one of the lenses in which I've been communicating to you through and it's really such a big part of my life and a good buddy of mine who is extremely mindful and understands the concept of health and discipline and overcoming more than anyone I know is my friend DDA and he's been a huge supporter of the show and I'm really appreciative of it And through the back and forth dialogue that we've had and the show is the genesis of it, you know, he's embarked on his journey to start TM meditation. I'm so appreciative to be a part of this chapter in his life, knowing what TM has done for me. And TM meditation is a type of meditation. It requires a teacher to give you a mantra, and once you're done with the classes, you have that mantra for the rest of your life and you can practice on your own. It's a beautiful thing. I practice it two times a day, 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. And I'm really happy and I'm encouraged and I'm excited to hear and you know witness DDA as he goes through this new journey and have another person to talk to about TM. So thank you for sharing that. It's exciting. 
If you, uh, I'll put a link to DDA's Instagram. He's an incredible producer and DJ. And if you want to just get in touch with somebody that can truly motivate you every day, I would encourage you to follow him. The other story that really hit home for me over the the week was I got a DM from someone that I've worked with in the past. I won't say their name just because I didn't ask them if I could talk about this and I don't want to put their name out there without their permission. I got a DM from someone that I've worked with, extremely, you know, just a really smart, wholesome, energetic person that is great at what they do. And they DM'd me and said, hey, you know, I was listening to one of the episodes and I was trying meditation and I quit because I couldn't really get my mind to that, you know, that super quiet, calm space. And after listening to the episode about meditation, Kellen, I, it gave me the confidence to go back and try it again because I realized that it wasn't all about just trying to reach this you know, unreachable state of Zen bliss where there is just nothing. It's more about the practice. And I paraphrased a little bit at the end there, but it was really cool to know that there was someone out there that was curious. They wanted to try meditation. They had tried meditation. And for one reason or another, they didn't feel confident to keep going And because of this show, they did. And that to me is such a beautiful thing. And it's the power that gives me the courage and and the encouragement to know that this is special and this is important. So thank you both for sharing that with me. And I'm happy to share it with the audience so we can continue that space. I want to create an environment where people feel comfortable to share their thoughts, speak their mind, and ask questions under the umbrella and the security that there's not a bad question. There's not a bad thought. It's all about this journey of learning how to express ourselves. And I think You know, when you watch someone go from learning how to express themselves in an authentic way, and it's a sometimes it can be like a clumsy journey. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Kanye just for a few minutes. Kanye has been a major influence on my life for since he, since I became aware of Kanye, he's influenced my life through music through fashion, through expressing myself, through the idea of entrepreneurship, you know, having the willingness to walk away from what looks like the only option and then find a new option and find success. I'm referring to stop working with Nike and then going to Adidas, which at the time wasn't a no-brainer. It wasn't obvious. It was it was a risk. And as of late, Kanye has definitely shown a new way of communicating and expressing himself. There's been some things that he said that were extremely 
offensive and caught a lot of people off guard. And I have no interest in litigating that and getting into it. But what I can speak about and what I'm going to choose to speak about is the way he's communicating about self-expression and how society has this tendency to kind of mute who people are and push us into these very rigorous versions of ourselves. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel and he made the analogy and the story about, you know, the little kid jumps on the coffee table and is pretending that he's Superman. And I'm paraphrasing, but you'll get the gist jumps on the coffee table and automatically the parents just start saying like, don't jump on the coffee table. Don't do this. Don't do that. But to the kid, he doesn't know it's a coffee table. He doesn't know he's, why is that a bad thing? The the child is expressing themselves. And then Kanye goes on to say that, you know, through life, how many examples do we all encounter that are rooted in this concept of like, don't do this, don't do that, you know? So how many coffee tables can be stacked up in front of you that pretty much mute you into you know, whatever version kind of fills the capitalistic needs of this society, which is, you know, keep your head down, work your ass off. And every time you make more money, spend as much of it as you possibly can to buy products and things. So I really like where Kanye is going. And I, I would say one more thing that he said recently that I thought was really powerful is this concept of being able to turn off the number of followers you have on social media. So, so what that means to me is you have, you know, uh, 10,000 followers, 100 followers or a million followers, you know, what does it feel like if you can just turn that off to where you don't know how many followers I have or you don't know how many likes a post gets? You don't know how many comments. And the reason there, and I think everyone that's listening to this can relate, we all give ourselves a grade on how we perform on social media. And maybe not we all, but the majority. You post something, it doesn't get enough likes, It gets a lot of likes. You don't have a lot of followers. And we've kind of attributed a self-worth in connection to what happens on social media. And it's really fucking sad. It is. And I do it. I'm guilty of this. I actively remind myself that what happens on social media is not a reflection of who I am. If a post does well, it doesn't mean that I'm better. And if a post does bad, it sure as hell doesn't mean that I'm bad. You know, and and Kanye's out there pushing this message. You know, he's asking the question. And I thought it was really interesting because he was, he had a conversation with Jack, who is the founder of Twitter, about this concept. And Jack had made some statements that he had been thinking about this as in regards to the Twitter platform. And then Kanye asked him, you know, hey, can I post this conversation? I thought it was a very interesting sign of respect and self-control. Kanye is definitely looked at as someone that just flies off the handle and does whatever he wants. 
And there's been plenty of examples that he's done that. But I thought it was pretty interesting that he asked him to post it. But I think it's cool that Kanye is asking these questions. And, and what I would say to you as the listener and to anybody is this like, if you take a step back and you take the name Kanye away from it and you just say, you know, people that have changed culture, people that have changed society, people that have changed the way we think, remember, it's not smooth. It doesn't happen seamlessly. It's not as elegant as the history books might tell you. If you go back and you kind of study major changes in society, they don't happen as simple as one, two, three, four, boom, everything is changed. So at least for me, and I can only speak for myself, I'm watching what's going on with Kanye and not getting hyper-focused on the day-to-day, you know, seismograph of reaction and more trying to look at it from a broader scope that this is a guy with extreme influence who is asking important questions that are centered around mental health and wellness. And I think it should be recognized as important and in some cases it should be applauded and that's just how I feel I'm not saying that he's doing any more than anyone else and I know that there's examples of other people that are asking these types of questions so but for me Kanye's someone who's on my radar so when he asks these questions they hit my radar someone else might be asking the same questions maybe Maybe there's someone in your mind that you're like, oh, they asked the question about hiding your followers a year ago. And that's incredible. And I'm happy that they did, but it didn't hit my radar. And I'm, I can only speak for mine. So I just think as someone who's gone through a tremendous amount of change myself through meditation, wellness, and a lot of education and reading, it's not smooth. When I go from being highly reactive and irritable to someone who is calm and has control of their, of my emotions. It doesn't just happen. It takes time. It takes practice. You say the wrong thing. Sometimes you do the wrong thing sometimes, but you got to hang in there and stay the course. And I'm happy that people didn't just cut me down. Like, Oh, you're never going to change. You know, people gave me the space and really a lot of what I'm interested in is really kind of the space of between our interpersonal relationships. And I think that stuff's really important. And from here, where I want to go with the show is talk about, you know, old friends and how they motivate you and the concept of no new friends and how I really feel about that statement. And yeah, I'm excited. You know, last week was a lot about family for me. I had my nephew down from Apple Valley, spent a lot of time with my mom, as you know. And this week I spent a lot of time with fam, with friends. So it's kind of, it's exciting because my friends are my family. I'm really grateful that I have so many good friends and I feel truly blessed that the people that I grew up with, I'm still connected to. Before I jump into friends, in this week in a couple stories. And, you know, I want to give a little bit of an update. 
I'll be traveling over the next couple of weeks, which I'm excited about. So I'm going to Vancouver on Monday. I'll be there Monday to Friday. And I'm going up there to work with Herschel. That's what I do every day. I've been working with Herschel for just about 10 years now, maybe nine, nine, nine point five. I love it. I've had such a great experience working with Herschel Supply Company and being a part of their sales team and really growing and learning how to be such a better professional and coworker, leader and mentor and mentee. You know, one of those things that I don't think I talk about enough is how important it is to be under the mentorship of somebody else. It's easy to talk about how you know, I'm a leader. I want to mentor as many people around me and I'm going to affect change. It's equally as important for me to have a mentor and learn from the people around me. And I've learned so much from the people at Herschel and it's exciting. Like, like my coworkers, the team I'm on, the people, it's just amazing. And, you know, to work for a brand that is so design driven and focused on a goal and really never resting on you know, yesterday's success. It's so remarkable and it's so fun. I've learned so much professionally and personally with my journey at Herschel and it's just, uh, it's awesome. So I'll be there for next week. And then after that, I'm going to go to New York for a week, which I love New York. Uh, I'll talk about New York a little bit next week, but if you're in Vancouver or you're in New York, you know, hit me up. Maybe there's time to get coffee or, you know, if you have any suggestions for where to go in those cities as far as coffee or anything you think I might be interested in, I'd love to hear. So let me know. And uh, I would also like to segue into a little bit of Lakers talk and I'll keep this quick, but the Lakers season starts in a little bit less than a month and I'm so excited. I've been a Lakers fan my whole life. It was one of the things that my dad and I, and just in general, my family had so much in common. I bleed purple and gold. The Lakers have not made the playoffs for over five years. And I would like to just put it on wax right now. On September 23rd, 2018, the Lakers will make the Western Conference Finals this season. And when they make the Western Conference Finals, anything can happen because they have LeBron James. So let's just put that on wax right now. The Lakers are going to make the Western Conference Finals this season. You heard it here from Kellen Rowland. Talk to him. So I want to get into some friend talk and how important friends are in my life. They're the backbone of my life. They are the people... I can rely on to tell me when I'm fucking up, when I'm not focused, and tell me when things are going well. And it's so important. And, you know, I want to tell you a story of how a conversation in a garage is really, you know, the reason that you're listening to this show. I've always been the type of person that doesn't mind being the center of attention. I have an opinion often. I like to speak my mind. Recently, I've learned how to be quiet and listen more, but in general, I like to talk. You know, when I was a kid, 
I used to be the host of the pep rallies in, uh, I think it was high school. So I really love that concept of kind of like getting in front of everybody and like controlling a crowd, you know, I'm always ready to give a speech. And, you know, because of that, you know, I have always thought about, you know, Hey, should I have a podcast or a YouTube channel? And one of my really good buddies, Aaron Levant, which I've talked about before on the podcast. And if you follow me on social at Kellen Roland, you've seen him on my Instagram and whatnot. He's one of my closest and best friends, a mentor, a great partner, just an all around good person. And, you know, when I was younger, I was about 12 years old and I was in a situation with my family. My family, my parents had to do some things to get their personal lives in order. And during that time, I was faced with the decision to have to move away from my hometown and go up to Santa Maria to live with my aunt. And I love my aunt. It would have been great to live up there, but it would have taken me away from my friends and my family. And Aaron's family came to the rescue. They immediately offered me a place to live. I lived there for over a year. When I lived with Aaron's family, I never for one minute felt like I wasn't family. And that's a really important thing to note. It's to be taken in and treated like one of your one of their own was so remarkable. Thank you Allison and Brian, that's Aaron's parents and Aaron's little sister Taylor, which I absolutely adore, and Aaron's older sister Logan, who is killing it in the restaurant business and also used to beat the shit out of us when we were kids. Shout out Logan. So, what does this have to do with anything? So Aaron is, you know, one of my closest friends and he's always been there. Oh, I also sang the Micha Moha at Aaron's Bar Mitzvah, which that prayer and ceremony comes in handy whenever I'm talking to anybody about Bar Mitzvahs or Bat Mitzvahs. It gives me a very relevant story to tell. I will tell that story on another podcast. Aaron has always been there you know, with me on my journey from, you know, when I was a young, young kid to now. And we were in the garage of our office. We used to work in the same building. And I was telling Aaron after work, you know, man, I really want to do something creative. I want to do this podcast. And I had been talking about it for months. And I kind of was like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to do the podcast because when am I going to have time? And you know, I have to focus on my career and, you know, is this going to be a distraction? And, you know, what, what should I, you know, I was kind of just making up all these excuses because I work in an environment at Herschel where, you know, being creative and, and having passions are celebrated. But in my mind, I was using my career and my job as a reason to not take the risk of putting myself out there and I said that to Aaron and he just called me out immediately. He's like, where are these fears coming from? And I said, they're coming from my own head. I've just completely made them up. And he's like, okay, well, you know, you just heard what you just said. So, you know, either stop talking to me about this podcast or start doing it. And that was a tipping point for me. And 
the reason that that's so important to tell is that I don't believe we need these groundbreaking life transformations. I think we need these small nudges, these little moments with our close friends and our family where they give you that little pat on the back, that little push, that encouragement just to go and just to get it done. So that night after Aaron challenged me to stop talking and start doing, I bought all the equipment and I started the podcast. And I'm so grateful for that moment. I'm grateful that we both had enough space in our interpersonal relationship to talk about my feelings and my fears. And I felt comfortable enough to express them to him as not only a friend, but a confidant. And to get the encouragement to go out there and really try this and do it, it was really special. And I'm really grateful for it. And the cool thing is, is that when I started doing the podcast, it really was a release valve of this creativity that I had inside me. And what I found is after I started doing the podcast and I started to release what was going on in my mind and I started to kind of communicate and express myself and get back to being really creative, I leveled up in everything else that I've been doing. I'm more focused and better at my job at Herschel because of the podcast, because I feel so fulfilled. And this concept is really important to talk about. When we are fulfilled, we can be, we achieve our max potential. When we're not fulfilled, we don't reach our max potential. So what I would say to the listener is, you know, if there's something that's going on in your life, a project, an idea, something that you've always wanted to do, but you've had some hesitation, there's a fear there, you don't think you have enough time, just go out and do it. Like, just start doing it. I was talking to another friend of mine who I worked with for many, many years, and was he was telling me about he wanted to start making music again. And, you know, of course, you know, work is busy. We're all busy. There's never going to be a point when you leave your office and everything is done. Ariana Huffington, you know, famously has talked a lot about work-life balance. Uh, her book Thrive is all about work-life balance, sleep and meditation. I really like what she's doing. And she was quoted on Nike is a new podcast called Trained, which I really like. I would suggest you check it out. She was quoted on the podcast saying, if you don't have work to do at the end of the day when you leave your job, that you should get a new job. So let me repeat that. If you finish, if you don't have work to do at the end of your day that you have to work on tomorrow, you should get a new job because you don't have enough to do or you're not passionate about it. And I thought that was really important. And how that connects to my friend who is going to get back into making music, I communicated to my friend that, in my opinion, when he starts doing music again, he's going to be even better at his job. Because when we're fulfilled, we can really reach that max potential. And it's cool. And I, I'm, I'm excited to share that with you. I've actually never told anybody this story. I've always kept certain parts of 
the journey in my back pocket because I want to communicate them at the right time when I feel like it's going to be the most impactful. And when I look at friendship and what friendship means to me, having that space with Aaron where he could essentially call me out and challenge me, that was the catalyst to do the podcast. It wasn't the idea. It's, but it was the, it was the catalyst to do the show. And if you're about to jump in the pool and do something that you're scared to do, but you think that it's going to be really meaningful for you, or you're just curious to know what it feels like, jump in the pool. And if you're a friend of someone who has expressed the desire to do something creative, to create a new hobby, whether it's to learn how to surf, learn how to play tennis, take cooking classes. Hey, you know, be, be Aaron to them, you know, be the person that's going to at least ask the questions and point out that they can do it, you know, give them that encouragement. And I think it's really important. So I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, Aaron. And I hope that the conversations I've had with a couple people in the past couple weeks and months are encouraging them to go jump in the pool and try to do something creative, which I think is really important. The other thing is, you know, I'm really grateful because I have an incredible group of friends that I've known for many, many years that fall in line with, you know, how long I've known Aaron. And they've been such an encouragement to me. I just posted today a photo of, four or five of my really close friends that we're going to go and get my friend Chris and Mika married at the end of this year. We're going to go to Zion on a bachelor party in a few weeks and go on some crazy hikes. And when I look around and I'm 35 and I've known these people since I was 11, it just reminds me of how grateful I am to have such long lasting friendships. And the other thing though, that I want to talk about that I think is kind of like it's glamorized and it's like romanticized. And I think it's so fucking stupid. This concept of no new friends, you know, you hear that. I don't know who said it. I think it was in some rap song. It was like no new friends. And I used to say that I used to think like, Oh no, I don't, you know, I don't have room for new friends. You know, I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm too that. It's so stupid. I'm always ready for new friends. And I don't ever want to lose that curiosity and I don't ever want to shut my door and I'm never going to close myself off to meeting new people and engaging with new people. And over the past two years, I've made so many new friends that have become central characters in my story, encouraging me, challenging me, teaching me things. And it's just fucking rad. I'm really grateful for them. And I would say that if you have that mindset of that you don't want to make new friends or you're too old to make new friends, I would just challenge you to think about that and ask yourself why. Why would you not want to bring new people into your life that add value, that can teach you things and challenge you? To me, it's so important. And I've had the greatest opportunity to make new connections learn. And it's just so important. And I hope that we all can put a lot of value on friendship and 
bringing the right type of people in your life, I think that's also important. A part of friendship is you grow close together and sometimes you grow apart. And I do believe that there's times where you do have to separate yourself and you have to really surround yourself with people that you want to be like. I believe in that. And sometimes that means saying goodbye to people. And what it really shows me, if you have the strength to move on or to say to someone, hey, you know, we need to take a break because we're not aligned on our life goals. It shows me a strength and a dedication to invest in the person you want to be and take it seriously. If you want to change, if you want to improve, it takes work. It's not just something that happens from reading a book. You can't just read a podcast and become a different person. Well, you can't read it. Well, you could read the transcript of a podcast, but you can't listen to a podcast and become a better person. It takes work. The more positive people I surround myself with, the easier it is for me to be positive. The people that I surround myself have created a way for me to express myself and be the person that I am inside and really amplify the characteristics that are what I want to be known for. It's always interesting when you think about your actions, your reputation, and how all of that blends together. It's really like if you think about like how do you want to be remembered and then you list all of those characteristics and then you ask yourself, are those the characteristics that I am putting out there on a daily basis? And wherever you can find incongruities, it's an opportunity to improve. So that might be a fun little challenge, you know, to you. I'm going to do it myself, but I'm going to write down a list of how I want to be known. You know, I want to be known for being compassionate, charismatic, caring, a good listener, someone who can, you know, exemplify empathy, loyalty, hardworking, you know, that's what matters to me. And I want to make sure that I continue to live up to how I want my reputation to be. If you had to write your own intro to what would be read off to a new company or a new group of friends, you got to write that stuff down and then figure out how do you make sure those things are happening. Yeah. And you just want to be consistent in how you want to be remembered and how you want people to think of you and you want your actions to reflect those things. It's also important to note that we can't control exactly how people interpret us but we can control our actions and that's the important thing. Another thing about friendship and new friends and old friends, this concept of building community is really important to me. I've been having people over regularly for dinner and for coffee. I have an idea of a dinner series that I'm going to start called Medium Talk. It's a play on words I got it from a Larry David episode where he talks about how he hates small talk and so do I. 
So medium talk because small talk is boring. And I'm gonna have a group of people over at my house about once a month that some will know each other and some will not know each other. And the whole goal is just to bring good people together to see what comes of it. Bring good people together and then just provide some good food, some good music, and let conversations naturally progress. It is so awesome when you get in a room with people that are intelligent and smart and creative and you allow these conversations to really happen. And the one that I, you know, I encourage this idea too of talking about things that maybe are taboo, you know, and I know right now, like politics is very much like a hot button topic and there is a lot of emotion behind it. And I think politics has its place. There's definitely reasons and to talk about politics, but I think there's other things that are affecting our generation that I really want to bring to the forefront and how I'm going to end the episode is talking about how the new iPhone made me realize that I've entered into a new journey and a new part of my life. Before, when a new iPhone would come out, I would be obsessed with getting it. I'm talking obsessed. Like I would drive 45 minutes to a mall that had the iPhone in stock. I would set an alarm on my phone to be the first person that could order it early in the morning. I attributed having the newest iPhone with my own self-worth and I didn't think at all about the financial impact of buying the new phone. And I didn't ask myself the question, do I actually need a new phone or am I just getting one so I could keep up with everybody else? That's a scary place to be. It's a very scary place to be. And with that mentality, you can do things that can really hurt you and set you back. And when this new iPhone came out, I had no urge to buy it. No urge at all. And it really triggered to me that I've moved into another phase of life. I'm on another chapter where long-term success and the benefit and wealth and being able to take care of my family is now superseded short-term stimulus. Feeling good in the moment is not going to trump what's good for my future. And it's a good feeling and it it's all rooted around, you know, finances and visibility on finances and really managing finances. And a topic that I'm going to touch on right now and then get into on future episodes is really how are we managing our money? How am I managing my money? Am I doing a good job? Am I investing in my future? Do we have a collective literacy around basic principles of finance? And I'm going to end this show with a story of something that I watched firsthand that absolutely killed me inside. This 
made me so upset as a child. It made me so angry at the system. It just fucking made me infuriated. So when we were young, my parents had bad credit, like really bad credit. And when you have bad credit, you have to pay higher interest rates and things are generally just way more expensive for you than someone with good credit, all with this concept of, oh, you have bad credit, so you're not a reliable person to buy this product and there's a chance that you may not pay for it, so therefore, we're gonna penalize you. And it's fucking wrong. And right now, I don't feel that anybody in this country let me rephrase that because I don't want to use like broad strokes. I don't feel there's a big enough focus on teaching people about credit. So this is what bad credit really means. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced what bad credit is. My parents would go to a used car lot. They would buy a car that was used in decent condition and have to pay 18% interest on the loan. Whereas if you have good credit, you pay 0% interest, maybe 2%, maybe three. So what does that mean, right? Like, so you buy an old used car and the car payment should be around 180 bucks. It'd be like 180 bucks if you had good credit. But when you have bad credit, you're paying $500, $600 for that same car. So think about what that does, that cycle. You don't make a lot of money, you have bad credit, and because you have bad credit, you try to buy a car that's within your means, 180 bucks a month, but because you have bad credit, you end up paying $600 a month, and that essentially keeps you poor, because you can't get caught up on your bills. And I watched my parents have to go through this time and time again, no matter I don't want to say no matter, but they worked really hard, but they could never really get ahead of the debt. They could never get ahead of their bills. And when you look at it, like let's just use simple math, right? Let's say you make, as a household, you make $3,000 a month. Your rent is 800 bucks a month. This is a while ago. um, So maybe the rent and the numbers are a little off, but I'm freestyling here. You make three grand a month. Let's say your rent is... 1300 bucks a month, you know, utilities, phone, food, all that stuff is probably another 800, maybe a thousand bucks a month. And then, so you basically have 800 bucks a month left to live on. And if you had a car that was only 200 bucks a month in your payment, you, you know, there, there you go. You have $600 of kind of flex money. So as long as things don't happen or something doesn't happen out of the ordinary, you will probably make it through the month and maybe even be able to save a little bit of money. But if you have bad credit, that $200 car payment is now 600 bucks. So there's all your money. And this is happening so much. I can't tell you how fucked up this system is. And I can see this from both sides. Like I know right now, like I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful. I'm so appreciative that I've been able to find success in this world. But I watched my parents live check to check for my whole life. I knew what an overdraft fee was way too young. 
I mean, I was 11 years old and I knew what it meant to be overdrafted from the account. Shit, some of you listening to this show right now, you may not even know what an overdraft fee is. And that's good because I want people to be successful. And my point that I'm making is not that, you know, woe is my parents and, you know, they couldn't have done anything to fix this problem. And because I don't know every decision they made, there's probably decisions that helped perpetuate the lifestyle that we lived when I was young. But at the same time, society didn't fucking help. And it's not that they needed someone to bail them out. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is the connection to credit, having good credit, and what that will do to your life. And when you have bad credit in America, you will be subjected to incredibly high interest rates and you will essentially be paying two to three to four times more for things than you would pay if you didn't have credit. So take all of your bills, pick a couple of them that are high value that have a, you know their higher payments and multiply them by three or four and tell me how your financial outlook would be. Most likely it would be fucked. So the reason I bring this up is that I'm gonna start talking about personal finances on how I manage my money, what I'm doing differently to manage my money, and really share some basic information on managing money. And I wanna make this super clear. I'm not a professional money manager. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm going to give basic advice on what's worked for me and what's been told to me. And it is up to you 100%. It's on you to do the research and figure out what makes sense for you. That's a part of this relationship and this new media where so many people have a platform and we can all communicate and talk and share our ideas. As someone who has a microphone and has an audience, it's important for me to express the fact of when I'm giving some advice, I really expect the audience to go and do their own research and figure out what makes sense for them. But yeah, you know, finances and credit, it's really important and If I could do one thing, it would be teach young kids about credit. You know, it's so important. You know, the minute you turn 18, you get so many offers for student credit cards. You max out the credit card. You've heard the story. A $500 credit card maxed out, paying the minimum payment takes four years to pay off. Think about how fucked up that is. Think about that. You're 18 years old. You just got offered a credit card. You don't know shit. Learning about credit is not a prerequisite in high school, or at least when I was in high school, learning about credit was not a prerequisite. You get this credit card, you max it out because you don't know shit. You think it's free money. And then you don't pay it. You only pay the minimum payment. You look up and it's been five years and you're still paying off a $500 credit card. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a form of financial slavery, And that's a whole other issue that we're going to have to get into on this show because, you know, keeping your money right is so important. And we live in a world where we always have to have the newest thing. You got to get the newest iPhone. You got to get the newest this. You got to have this. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to. Well, if you get caught up in that, you're going to get caught up in always running out of money, never having enough money to really achieve, you know, wealth and it's fucked up. And I think it's something that we should all talk about. And the way that I'm going to kind of wrap this up into the show is I want to encourage people 
that are friends to talk more openly about finances because we can learn from each other. Asking your friends how they manage their money, how they keep track of their bills, how do they do their 401k, how do they how do they save for their retirement? These are conversations that we need to be having with each other. Not everything can be about social media, gossip, and sports. Let's have the conversations where we can learn from each other to where we can put ourselves in a better position for our futures, for our kids, and for our family because ultimately... Family and friends is what matters. Everything else is bullshit if those two things are not dialed in and your health. That's what's up. So that's going to be the end of this show. I will end the show by talking about my new favorite coffee from Verve. And they really came up and like have a coffee that I am so excited about. Verve has been one of the coffee spots that I've been in love with for a long time, but admittedly, I have gone off and really found other coffee brands and roasters that have been the ones that have been getting a lot of play on the podcast. Those are the ones that I've been talking about a lot. And I got a bag of, it's called the... Gititu Peaberry. It's a Kenya. The tasting notes are candied orange, nectarine, and it's bright. And it is incredible. It's my favorite coffee right now. Verve Coffee Roasters. They have locations all around Los Angeles. It's a Kenya coffee. It's the Gititu Peaberry. You can order it online. It's amazing. New bean alert. So they're the new bean alert of this week. And uh, yeah, to just wrap this up, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been an incredible opportunity to talk with you. I'm so appreciative that you spend your time with me, that we get to talk and go through these important life discussions and really share with each other and continue to grow Thank you for spending your time with me. Hit me up on social media at Kellen Roland on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook, Kellen Roland. The show is on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe. I really appreciate it. Share the show and hit me up on social media if you have any questions or there's topics that you want to add in or if you have a an opinion on what I'm talking about, if it's in line with my opinion or it's completely different. I'm open to it. I'd love to discuss it in more detail. Thank you so much. The Kellen Rowland Show, episode 24, and we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, evening, night, drive to work, whatever you're doing right now. Thank you. I appreciate you.